welcome to the Shark Bite Show, where we dive into the stories of our members, coaches, friends, and family of Shark Bite Fitness and Nutrition. All right, let's roll. Uh, all right, guys, welcome to the Shark Bite Show. Uh, today, I am here with Adam and Des Muir. They are a couple who run a fitness center called 352 Fitness or CrossFit 352 up in Gainesville, Florida. Um, they're also coaches and players on a team in the Florida Grid League, the Gainesville Wild. Uh, they've been friends of mine for a couple of years, and we're going to just dive into a whole host of stuff. So, guys, thank you very much for doing this. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having us. Um, yeah, no problem. So, let's start with the two of you talking more than me. Uh, who are you guys? What are your backgrounds? Uh, Des, let's have you go first. Uh, okay. I started CrossFit um, when I was about to turn 30, and I was like, oh, no, I'm not in shape anymore. Like, I used to be in college, so I need to find something. So, I had moved to Florida to work at uh, University of Florida and just kind of looked at the local CrossFit gyms and started. And I had no idea that CrossFit was even a competitive thing. I thought it was just a, you know, a regimen to use your whole body to work out. And I instantly fell in love with it. And, um, and then later I learned that there was this whole other group of people who are actually good at CrossFit. Like I thought I was like good at CrossFit, right? Cause I started and you like get a deadlift PR every week and you're like, I can do a pull up now. And then it's like, oh, there's like people who are actually good at CrossFit. <laughs> um, but that was, a, that was just sort of a very, like, it's a very humbling thing when you start to stay and you're like, oh man, like I'm killing it. And then you're like, no, but um, it's cool that it's for everybody. And um, I, um, I'm talking too much. Okay. <laughs> You're going to talk a lot. Don't worry. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. So I've been doing CrossFit since, uh, what year is that? 2013. Yeah. Um, and then we met at that gym and then we started this gym in 2014 and we have been here ever since. And it's been a fun process. And I somehow switched yeah. from just wanting to work out to being more of a competitive athlete and he sort of like did the opposite so you see your part <laughs> so I started 2011 um I grew up in Gainesville I was at UF I happenstance had someone tell me about CrossFit when I was working at a restaurant I'm like oh it's this awesome group fitness thing and I'm like okay group fitness yeah go for it <laughs> and then I remember specifically one night I was at work and ESPN was on the CrossFit games came on and I saw that and before I saw the title, I was like, what the hell is this? Like, I want to do this. And it was very vividly Chris Spieler pushing the dog sled. I remember it down the, the tennis stadium. And the name came up and I was like, ah, dang. So <laughs> went out, signed up. So I got into it as a competitor, someone looking, you know, I, I've played, grown up playing sports all my life. Um, so it was something that I want to do as a competitive outlet. So we got, I got into it more with that. Then as time went on, you know, I started to coach. I was in college, so it was easy to transition to that coaching role. And as I grew into the sport and kind of learned the ins and outs of running a gym or what I thought were the ins and outs of running a gym at the time, I had no idea. Uh, you know, we I decided to change my career path. So I was on, on the path to doing EMT, firefighting, and all that good stuff. And then in 2014, like Des said, it was you know, decided to take the leap of faith and we started the affiliate and we haven't looked back since. So it was awesome. It's really changed my life and, you know, where I thought it would be over the last six years, seven years of it now. And it's been great. So I started, like I said, like Des said, as a 
the competitive side, I did once one match of grid <laughs> go well. Uh, I'm definitely, you know, I, I enjoy it just for the training more. And now it's just a, a daily, trying to be a daily part of my life, but you know, in, in and out, try to work out at least every day or every other day, you know? And that was going to be my next question was, you know, you, you both just talked about how you decided to open up the gym. How, how do you make fitness a priority for yourselves? Cause you're both very busy people. That's, that's tough. So for me, it's, I want to, I want to lead by example. So I try to fit in workouts when I can. My, the members always make fun of me because they say they never see me working out because uh. I'm using coaching or I'm not. <laughs> so I'll usually try to get it in mid afternoon. Lately, we've, I've been going swimming early in the morning. So that's been nice. And then just, you know, hopping in a class every so often, maybe. And that's pretty much it. But, you know, for her, it's a little more I don't know, intense, I guess to say. Um, it's just a little more structure. We both have, we both have a personal trainer. Uh, Kyle Ruth is our personal trainer from Training Think Tank. So I have usually programmed an hour to two hours of work. So I have to usually do it before I go to my job to go to work. Um, so I come here in the morning. I, I'm a morning workout person for sure, especially I'm not from Florida. I'm from Pennsylvania. So once it starts getting hot, I'm like, I'm out. Like I'm a, I'm a fair weather exerciser. I need it to not be 110 degrees. So the morning is a great option for that. Uh, the sun's not up yet. We're not roasting. So I typically work out before work um, and then I go to work. And then if I have a nighttime session, I do that at night again when the sun is down and my fans are on. Yeah, Des, we're going to talk a bunch about your job, but we're not bringing it up yet because I want to spend a whole bunch of time on that. Yeah. Um, so uh, what do you guys offer at your gym? Because I know it's not like a normal, like 24 hour style. Here's some machines kind of do what you can. Talk to me about 352 Fitness and CrossFit 352. So we offer a few different things. Our main focus is definitely the, the CrossFit group classes. That's our bread and butter. That's where we started. That's where I learned to love fitness was teaching those classes. So it's definitely something that we like to focus on, you know, constantly varied or constantly, I can't remember it. <laughs> I can't remember it. Uh, constantly varied high intensity functional fitness. It's oh, wow. definitely There's a quiz later. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I definitely believe in it. And like Desa said, I believe that, you know, functional fitness is is really for everyone, whether you're looking to be a competitor, whether you're looking to just stay fit. It's all dependent on one, your level, one second your goals, and third, who your coach is, right? If you go into a gym and they're just on their phone, not paying attention and the quality of coaching is not there, then you're not going to get what you've come to get from that gym. It's very important to have a high quality coach and coaches that just want to care and pay attention to you. So long story short, we offer uh, the group classes. We do some personal training, some remote coaching, and then Des does the HSN nutrition work with our clients. Cool. Yeah. So you do personal training and uh, distance coaching or remote coaching as well, right? Yep. So I, I think Des talked about this a little bit before the before the episode, but like in 2020, we obviously we were shut down because of COVID and you know, people were all over the world. Florida for us wasn't shut down nearly as long as it was probably for most of the people not in our state, right? Um, how did you guys handle that situation? Because I think that's kind of where personal training came from, right? Yeah, so I mean, 
we, we kind of saw the writing on the wall. We knew there was going to be a shutdown occurring yeah. just as, you know, as most of the US knew that there's going to be something happening. So the first thing we did was we prepared to just lend out our equipment to our members. We had a sign up list. We would have them come in either to the gym. We ended up, I think, actually doing it at our house just so we could avoid issues with the city. But uh, they'd come one at a time. They'd have their scheduled appointment. They'd pick up some equipment that they want for the week. And then they would go on to work out and bring it back the following week. So that's kind of, we did like online classes as well. So that's kind of where we, we brought the gym to the members. Then also we started our Valkyrie programming, which was the remote coaching. You know, her and I had both been involved with Kyle Ruth for at least a year by then. So we kind of knew what it was like to be coached remotely. In fact, we've never met Kyle in person. <laughs> so, you know, the whole, the whole relationship between us has been remote. So I felt comfortable. I ended up getting my OPEX certification or starting it then during the quarantine. And that was a huge help, you know, really showed me how to one program and handle remote athletes. OPEX did a great job of actually shifting their educational stuff towards more remote stuff, especially since it's COVID, they, you know, they took down the requirements of having in-person or in-person uh, clients to doing it all remote. So that helped me a lot, kind of launched me into the remote coaching program. And then we've slowly tried to grow it from there. We've got a few of our grid athletes doing it. You know, I've got some people, I've had people in Oregon, um, trying to think where else, a, a lot all over Florida, Orlando's a big one. So that's, that's kind of where that came from was the need to continue to grow during the pandemic and a very easy transition to something. He really like launched into action when they shut us down and it was really cool to see. So we, he said like we lent the equipment out, but it wasn't that simple. Like he organized it into packages. So if you're doing, if you want to focus on the body weight workouts this week, take home um, these parallettes, this ab mat and the wall ball. And then if you want to do the, the work, the, uh, weightlifting workout, take them a barbell and these plates, and then there's the kettlebell package. So it was really organized and they, they would log on and do their zoom class and then come trade out equipment. They'd had to, you know, schedule a time and our garage was kind of like fitness prohibition during COVID. Um, and they yeah. would just sort of like come with their little stuff, swap it out. And we're like, didn't see you, like, didn't see you either. Um, so that was pretty cool. And it really, I think it kept people, gave people some hope that there was going to be like some normalcy coming soon not just sitting at home, like I have my kettlebell, great, I guess I'll just like, you know, do a hundred snatches. But, so, well, so Adam, so do you still do Valkyrie training? Yeah, yeah. So That's still a service? Yeah, and it's been, you know, it's been kind of taken off. Not, it's not crazy. I, I'm kind of capped. I think I'm at a dozen clients right now. Mm -hmm. So kind of is a lot for me to handle between that, the personal training here, then the coaching, you know, I coach about half the classes at the gym. So I've got a pretty full plate. Eventually, I'd love to grow the program more. It's just kind of out of the possibility right now. Who would who would be an ideal client for that, right? Like if I was if I was looking into getting into fitness, what would make me think that say Valkyrie or remote coaching would be good for me? I mean, I would say the ideal client is someone who really wants to take their fitness into their control. And not not a newbie put it that way if you, mm -hmm. you've never stepped into a crossfit gym if you've never had any kind of coaching it's definitely doable but it's going to be a lot there's a lot more obstacles that come along with it and 
you've coached, you know that the hands-on aspect of coaching in person is a big deal, right? You can help people show people tactile uh, cues, visual and verbal cues. They all work together simultaneously versus online. It's pretty much, I mean, you can do some visual cues, you can send them videos, but it's all pretty much like, hey, try to fix this, just telling them in a paragraph or so. So you don't get, and you don't get instant feedback. That's the thing is for the week, I can see their videos that they submit and the results and everything, but I don't get to be there one-on-one with them. So having someone who has a little bit of experience in, in the sport or doing CrossFit is definitely ideal for them. And if they have a home gym or a home gym, it's way much, much easier, way easier. Yeah. So that, that's what I wanted to get to, right? So like your, your remote training is definitely from more of your intermediate athletes, right? Intermediate or advanced athletes. What if you were a brand new person? How would, how would they use three, five, two? So we would, we actually have someone that just signed on. We take you through a process. You, you do some workouts, you submit the videos. And from there, we kind of start working on small goals that are going to be very elementary style goals of just getting the positioning and in, in the lifts. Most of it will be body weight. If they're brand new, odds are they don't have a full setup of a barbell, you know, the ability to do the Olympic weightlifting. So we're going to work on body weight stuff, mechanics, um, functionality first, obviously is, you know, a proper squat technique will take you a lot further than just loading up a bar and doing what you think is a squat. Probably like the benefits of the group classes are so much bigger for a new person coming in yeah. that we would always, even if they came in the door saying like, I'm into, I, I want personal training. I think we would always try to steer them towards the direction of the group classes, just because we all had that, um, that experience of like being a, being a new CrossFitter, a new a person new to this in the group setting is just what gets you. And it, it's, it's what makes you want to stay. And then you want to work on your goals from there. But I think, I think missing out on that dynamic would be like, we'd, we'd be doing them a disservice to not at least let them know that there is this like other aspect of this that you might absolutely love, even if you're a little bit shy or you're nervous to work out in front of people, um, you sort of overcome that. I think like within the first class, truly. So, yeah, that's a good feeling. So what, what do you guys do to help? If I'm a brand new person, I've walked into your gym. What do you do to help people overcome that, that shyness and that fear to get them feeling comfortable in those group classes? This episode is brought to you by punch gunk. Punch gunk is a pain relief and anti-inflammatory rub. Uh, you put it on your muscles, your joints, you're gonna feel a whole lot better if you use it. I know that a couple weeks ago, I had, my back was killing me from a deadlift workout. Couldn't bend over without strong discomfort. One of the players convinced me to use some, uh, rubbed it on my back. About 15 minutes later, I was doing muscle ups and snatches with no pain at all. I absolutely could not believe it, but it's true. They're a supporter of the podcast now. If you want to try it out, go to punchgunk.com. Use code SHARKS10, uh, you'll get a discount. This stuff is amazing. It's all over my gym now. The Southwest Florida Sharks and the Florida Grid League use it. Big, big, big supporter of it now. Check it out at punchgunk.com. Use code SHARKS10 for a discount. That's tough. I mean, it depends on the person. I think you really have to, being social, just making them feel accepted is the first part. There's usually at least one dog that launches at that them. That too. That <laughs> That's a good. We're a yeah. very dog friendly gym. Yeah, yeah do- dogs make everybody feel more comfortable. So always, yeah. No, I don't know if you've seen our Instagram, but we routinely have a dog running on the assault runner just <laughs> on himself and starts running yeah. and enjoy. Not our dog. Our dog's not very disciplined. <laughs> but uh, 
back to the question. Yeah, someone walks in, you know, we're gonna, my, my goal is to make them feel as comfortable as possible immediately. So, you know, kind of start hanging out with them, asking them some questions like, you know, where are they from? What's their career? What, what are their interests? Why, why did they want to start CrossFit? And kind of go from there, introduce them to a few people. We'll always have an icebreaker at the beginning of class. If it's a stupid icebreaker, it just makes it even easier for people to feel more comfortable. So, <laughs> it's, it's always fun. So that's what really gets them, gets them feeling like a part of the team. And then honestly, if they come in on a wet, like a Saturday, we'll do a group workout and just giving them that personal connection with someone as a team seems to help a lot more. And I know like personally, when I first started, I started in a foundations like one-on-one and I just, I felt more comfortable with that coach going forward. So I'd go to her classes and then, you know, I'd learn the other coaches, I'd meet them and then I'd start branching out to their classes. So if you can get that one or two people that will give them the confidence to say, okay, well, I like this coach. So I'm going to try to come to all their classes. And, oh, I see this person is in the class. They were my first partner. Then I'm going to try to come to that class with them. And it just makes it a little bit easier for them to stay on. And trying to like match them up because you almost always can in a group class kind of match somebody up. Even if they're brand new, you can sort of match them up. Even if it's just height-wise using the same barbell on the rack, just um, you can usually start matching people up pretty well. And I think that's a good way to get them back in there because that person's going to be asking them when they're coming back and kind of you get that team like camaraderie like right right in the beginning um and then you can as a new person sort of see like okay like i'm scared but they're doing it and kind of like watch what they're doing and then um you know there's if this isn't like a global gym so there's not mirrors but there's like other humans to look at where you can watch what other people's movements look like and sort of gain some confidence that way i think yeah, do you guys remember that feeling? Like, try to think back way, way, way long ago when you were the brand new person in class, and you're like, "What, what am, <laughs> what am I, what am I doing? What is, what is that? Who, who yeah. are, you, what is this movement everyone's talking about?" I just, I was just teaching a beginner this morning, because um, we start everybody in like one-on-ones, right? Uh, I was just teaching a beginner this morning. It was her last day of her one-on-ones before she went to class, and I was telling her a bunch of things. And I'm like, "Look, honestly though, if you don't remember this, it's not that big a deal." Just look at the person in the front of the room. They're going to smile at you. They're going to show you how to do it. You're like, you'll be all right. And she was like, yeah. oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Song. Yeah, me too. I, I remember getting partnered up with somebody. I, when I when I first found like CrossFit, I was I was young and I was still in the army. And um, I looked fit, but I wasn't fit at all. So they partnered me up with somebody who was just, like worlds better than me. And he wrecked my day. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um okay so des i know you guys you said you have personal training you have group uh group crossfit classes we have distance training Des, you run a nutrition program right yes i do yeah talk, talk to you about it. What, what's it called um it's f352 nutrition there's um, a trend there okay cool <laughs> that's it um and yeah it's sort of it's sort of sprung out of um me just sort of looking at where i was at i was doing crossfit i have been doing crossfit for five years and I had been seeing a lot of like positive changes. And then all of a sudden, like five years in, I plateaued and like, I plateaued hard. Like I was not getting better. I was like, you know, I had spent five years literally out exercising a bad diet. And I really liked that for myself, um, but it stopped. It was like, obviously you are 35, like get your shit together. Um, <laughs> started. Um, it was really, you know, everyone sort of, when you start CrossFit, they're like, oh, like do paleo, or at least that was back then. It was like, you got to try paleo and then you got to try macro counting. So I sort of went through the gamut of like, 
all the all the fad diets you could ever try. Um, I, you know, I stuck with counting macros and I was doing that on my own, but just not having the accountability of someone to send my numbers to or to check in with. Um, and I knew I was not doing myself a great service by like fitting things in my macros at night. Um, and I just had no sort of consistency with my diet. So I started looking into getting a nutrition coach and I got one and I instantly felt I'm just sort of a checklist person. So I felt like I had like I had a duty to check in with her and that really helped me right away. And I just had such a great experience from that, just knowing that she was gonna be like thinking about what I was about to eat. You know what I mean? Like just, I didn't wanna let her down. Um, so I stuck with my diet and I, I saw a lot of positive changes. And then I started taking online coaching and I got like certified by NASM to be a nutrition coach, which only took a few weeks. That was during COVID too. Um, and I just, it's one of the, I love learning and I love being a perpetual student. And it's one of those things where you start learning and then you're like, oh my God, I don't know anything. And then you like learn a little bit more and you're like, oh my God, I don't know anything. Like you just learn a little bit about how much you don't know every single day. And it's just like, this is never ending. Um, but I think the good thing is that process sort of really translates well to nutrition clients who are also just trying to figure out what to eat and trying to figure out what to do. Um, and I think just being kind of open with my nutrition clients when they have a question I can't answer. The nice thing about working with HSN is, you know what, I have a registered dietitian that I can ask right now and we can work this out together if I don't know something. Um, but I think I just really like having the accountability of, now I have the accountability of, I have nutrition clients who are looking up to me sort of thing. So I think that's like extra, um, not pressure, but just like, um, I want to make them, you know, proud of me. So now I have not just like one coach, I have like 20 people who are going to be noticing if I'm kind of like falling off. So I have that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so Added pressure and accountability there. If, so since you guys didn't have that for a long time and then now you do, right? Like, why do you think it's important for people to, to take part in nutrition coaching? Because we did the same thing. We didn't used to have one and then we created a program. Yeah. What have you guys learned from that? How does that help your members? Yeah, um, I, I can just see, I mean, I like when we sit down and kind of establish our goals, I just, everybody's, everybody's goal is usually performance-based when they come to me because it's all members from the gym so far that I have. Um, so I, you know, we can always improve some, we can always work on something that you want to improve in the gym if you clean up your diet a little bit. Um, and I think a lot of people didn't realize they weren't drinking like any water all day and just like <laughs> stuff that you don't realize you're not doing because you're not, you're not writing it down or checking in with anyone. Um, but a lot of the performance-based goals are improved with just improving your nutrition. Like if you're not eating any vegetables ever, like we need to adjust that. And um, it's just, it's a lot of just people sort of coming to Jesus moment and like, okay, here's what I ate today. And it's very not, it's not enough food usually. Um, and I think as soon as people start fueling themselves properly, they can get their goals in here and they're just overall just so much happier. Um, not to mention the like body composition changes that always come with it. Um, I think everybody's doing a lot better with reaching their performance goals, which is my ultimate goal, really. Yeah, that's cool. I, we, when we started our program, I kind of had a similar moment to you does. I was like, man, I've been working out a lot and I'm not getting in better shape. Like, what, what's going on here, dude? Yeah. And uh, so we, we like tested out the program behind the scenes and I was one of the test dummies, you know? And that was like the year before I started playing grid. Uh -huh. And pretty drastic change that next year, just from like eating a little bit better and drinking a little more water. So yeah. we were like, okay, this has to be like a foundation of what we do from now on, because if I'm only taking it sort of kind of serious, like we can make some significant change here with people. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so this is my personal most important question on this entire call, right? Des, you are a 
top tier Instagram follow. Oh, like, thank you. Yeah, oh, e- dude, e- Instagram is filled with unhappiness and your account guaranteed to make me laugh at least once per day, right? Yeah. Um, so what is your what is your exact like job title? I don't want to say the wrong thing. Oh, that's okay. I'm a zoological medicine veterinary technician. Okay, so for anyone who doesn't have a degree in that and doesn't understand what those words mean, <laughs> she works with animals all day, but not like, yeah, not like dogs and cats, like other cool things. Like reptiles generally? Uh, a lot of reptiles because we, it's Florida, so we work at the uh, St. Augustine alligator farm, so we take care of those animals out there. And it's a lot of birds and reptiles, but also if people have exotic pets, so that's like bunnies and ferrets and just not cats or dogs, basically. Everything else. Did you say a bunny is an exotic pet? Yeah, that's like, because like cat and dog, like if you go to the small animal hospital, they don't typically see rabbits. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. That's new to me. Only see cats and dogs. There's just so many cats and dogs that they can't really also see rabbits. So we have. (laughs) (laughs) Someone's bringing in like their pet alligator and then someone's bringing in their rabbit and like these don't seem the same thing. And sometimes someone's bringing in their pet rat. Oh, this is one of the things I don't know if I can say. Sometimes someone's bringing in their pet rat, but then I'm also needing to thaw a frozen rat to feed to an eagle. I'm the same. Oh my God. So yeah. I wash my hands a lot. <laughs> <laughs> what is, what is your, what's your favorite part about that job? And, and is it as much fun as it looks? Cause your social media makes it look very fun. I will tell you that it is a lot of fun. I will not lie and say that it's like not hard at times. And I will also say that I started my, I don't know when I started Instagram, but I was kind of late in the Instagram life. Like I was in, I was already 30 something. So it was already like, is it just too late for me? Like, should I live without this? But I sort of like used it as an outlet to do my stories. It's like an outlet because I have this like constant dialogue in my head of what animals are saying and I needed an outlet for it because I was going to go nuts. Um, so when I'm having a stressful day and just like having a tortoise, you know, having a little conversation with itself, which really cheers me up and I have an outlet for it now and I'm glad people like watching it. So that's good. <laughs> now I have I feel- for my stories. Yeah, I feel like there's a, there's a, a strong possibility that I'm going to see, like, like you said, a bird of prey staring at me angry or a random alligator foot yep. in an awkward position. It's fantastic. So, okay, well, cool. Um, let's get on to the thing that, that brought all of us together, right? Because I met you guys through Grid, yep. right? Um, so the Florida Grid League, uh, you two are the owners of the Gainesville Wild. That's a team in the Florida Grid League. Um, Adam, you're the head coach. And like you said, a, a one-match player, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one and done that was it uh des you are a player on the team right people already know like my story i'm a coach and a player right but talking about yours like, how did you two get into grid and the league in general so i mean <laughs> it was, so i known what the grid league was since tony budding left and they made the national pro grid league and from my understanding it was just gone right i was like oh well that that tank that sucks Mm -hmm. watch and then one day we actually had a member walk in and she did she she was somehow associated with the freaks she went to storm's gym previously i think they had like a grid six team that she was part of and she was telling me about it there were the trials happening at the same time so i think i was seeing it on instagram i was like oh this is cool i was like it'd be awesome to get a team in gainesville and she's like, oh, just call the commissioner and he'll get you a team. And I was like, all right. So I give, I don't even know how I got Mather's number. I just I got Mather's number and I think I either called him or he texted him or something. He's like, yeah, so 
we don't have a team, like we can't make Sorry. a new team, but we have a team for sale, which was the Jacksonville Steel. I was like, cool, we'll roll with that. Like, we'll, you know, maybe we can rebrand next year. It was right before the season. So he was like, okay, well, you know, we got it all set up. He's, here's what you got to do. And he's like, just so you know, now you have to put a team of six, minimum 16 people together. And I was like, okay, how long do I have? He's like, six weeks. And Hit. we All right. not understand the assignment. Oh, no. We were very excited about the assignment, but we did not understand the assignment. So, <laughs> so I got in contact with a couple of the old players from the Steel that had played the previous season. I was like, hey, do you guys want to play again? I think we got <laughs> two people to say yes. Please play again. And it was Larry. And <laughs> so I was like, all right, well, let's learn this sport together. And then we just kind of pieced together what we could from the trials information and got together what we thought would be, a, you know, a competitive team. We're like, oh yeah, like these people do, like they're RX athletes. They do competitions and they do pretty well in them. Like, we'll be all right. I'll be in every race. What could go wrong? That was not the case. These athletes are animals. So we quickly- He told me I was gonna be a strength specialist. And I was like, I don't know what that is. But that sounds awesome. I love uh -huh. being strong. And it took me like 25 seconds on Instagram to determine I would not, in fact, be a strength specialist. Well, I didn't know. Yep. I thought you would be. For anyone who's, who's, who's not seeing this right now, Des is tiny. She's a, she's a very small person. Not, there's not many strength specialists her size. <laughs> so these women are strong. Like, yeah. Our not, current, not strong for women. Strong humans. One of our current strength specialists is... A professional strong woman yes like actually in that sense so, so there's that we rushed to put together a team <laughs> i'm a utility player that's it the crossfit was, one Got it, it was interesting uh half the team fell apart halfway through the season we ended up having the reason i had to play is because i think we had four guys in one match <laughs> and then i was like all right well i guess i'm in and then the next match we had even less so we had to pick up random players who one of them now we have still on the team Sam and, Martin. Yeah. And then we That's just we kind of limped our way through the first season. And then we rebranded as the Gainesville Wild and COVID hit. But at least I had a whole year almost to recruit. So that kind of helped. And we that are, yeah, we are the team we are now. Yeah. Do you, Adam, do you remember me coming up to you at the end of that first season? Yeah. You were like, I'm sorry. This. <laughs> <laughs> it gets better. I'm I think sorry. you said it gets better. Yeah. That's what I, I may have said the sorry part, but I definitely said it gets better because like you guys were a year late, you know, I we were on our, our games. <laughs> well, we, we were on our second season and I was like watching you guys and I'm like, man, I remember that. <laughs> I don't think we broke double digits in a match for points. One time we finished a race and we were celebrating as though we had won the whole thing. And the other team was like, oh, do they understand? I don't think they do. Like, yeah, I think like, we won a relay against the aces. The first, the first relay we had played, the first match we lost every race, if we even finished we it. We didn't finish any. To the aces, and then we won the relay. And we finished the relay. And we thought we were untouchable. We won the whole thing. But it was fun. Well, so that's probably what makes this so cool, right? Because yes. it's fair to say you guys were not good then, oh. right? <laughs> Very more than fair. Yeah. Now, three seasons later, you're on your second straight playoff appearance, yep. right? And you, yep. you currently have the best record in the league. Like, what changed? How did you accomplish that? 
after that season uh, where we didn't understand the assignment. I think he made it his mission to make sure the team he puts out there makes it very clear that he now understands the assignment. Um, and I think recruiting online and just getting the best players for the best positions and putting people where they need to be. I think a, lo a lot of it was luck. So we had going back into 2020, like I said, I had a whole year. So I start, I instantly started to recruit as soon as the season, the 2019 season was over. I was like, never again, never again will I embarrass us like that. So I started to recruit. I had a few people that were interested and then the trials happened and we ended up finding Blake. And that was a big signing because Blake led to a few other people who led to a few other people. So it was just kind of almost a referral based program. So I didn't have to go nearly as deep into the roster of the trials as I normally would. And again, we had some people come back. We ended up picking up Dan as our assistant coach and he, you know, through him and I met him through actually, he's worked with Kyle Ruth. So we kind of had that connection there. And he's like, well, hey, I've got these, this guy out of the AGL who wants to play, which is the Atlantic Grid League up North. And we just kind of pieced together this team and somehow we just all gelled. We just got together re, or got along really, really well. And I think it kind of came down to finding the right puzzle pieces for the team versus finding the best talent. And you can see that in a lot of, or not a lot, but some of the teams is they're full of studs, right? Okay. You, you got to, yeah. I mean, all the teams now are, are stupid good. If we played them in 2019, I would have not come right. back. It would have been bad, but <laughs> Yeah, I think everyone has said it, like all the teams, it, it can be anyone's race at this point. But I think the thing that pulls us through is we do have a team that is so cohesive. And if if someone needs help, there's always someone there to dig them out of trouble. And if someone's better in a in an element and we find that out through, you know, practicing and chatting with each other and online videos, no one's going to be like, that's mine. You can't have that. You know, that's, mm -hmm. I want to do that. Um, we, so I think that the overall understanding that this is a team sport and, the, and an individual is not going to win this for us at any point. Um, I think everyone understanding that is really important. And I think that's helped us grow as a team and just as friends, just like, you know what, I practiced that. I'm not as good as you, you're faster switch it up and no, there's no hurt feelings. It's like, this is for the team. This is for all of us. This isn't, nobody's showing off. Nobody's, um, you know, getting their feelings hurt if they get swapped out. It's just, it's for the team. And then that's, that's where you, we need you at that moment. That's where you go. Yeah. That's really important. Well, you guys also have a very, <clears throat> like a, a very different thing from the rest of the teams, I think, in that, like how many of your players live in Gainesville? Des and Tracy. There we go. Yeah, right. Like that's, that's crazy impressive. We work out together. Uh, we send each other constantly sending each other videos like every day. Yeah. Um, it's just 24 seven, just sending each other. Here's what I practice. What did you do? Um, and I think having that, like starting that relationship with the remote coaching and like having all this experience with remote coaching, I think has really helped. Um, but I think it also helps that everyone has the accountability to send in their videos and say like, here's where I'm at. But yeah, we, if we got to work out together, I can't, I imagine that would be a huge help, but I don't think we need it necessarily, but I think it would be cool to be able to work out with everybody. Yeah, I think that that's a massive advantage to the teams that you know live in the same city. Yeah, like I think that matters quite a bit because we're yeah. we're not we're not nearly as spread out as you are, but we have yeah. players that are hours from each other. So getting together is pretty pretty unrealistic most of the time. But you guys have like literally out of state. Yeah, flights yeah. are involved. 
Well, half the team. <laughs> yeah, a lot of Texas. So they get to practice. That's a good yeah. point. Do they do they do like Texas practices? Occasionally, yeah. They're already <gasps> they're putting together a, a Texas like a uh, training camp. There, I think. Yeah, they're also spread out in Texas. They're not necessarily like that's not necessarily like super convenient for them either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Texas is a gigantic state. You could be in the same state and be like seven hours away from each other, right? But yeah, that is cool. But then when they do that, if we can't make it, we'll just FaceTime in and kind of join with the workouts and everything. So it's been working. That's that's cool. I, like personally, you know, coming from like another coach, Adam, I think that's super impressive because like I know how challenging it is to get players on the same team, like to work work towards the same goal. Yeah. Every once in a while, I get to yell at them in person. Like I couldn't <laughs> imagine how much more challenging that would be when you're like only texting or calling or videoing, you know? (laughs) What's nice is when we do send in or they send in videos, other like players don't hesitate to speak up and say, Hey, like try this and see if this helps. Or, you know, if watch that lockout, (laughs) yeah, watch the lockout. That's a lot. We've got a lot of watch their lockouts, but at least going in, you know, we do have a, a few athletes or several athletes that have, great experience before the Florida grid league. So like Laura Braun, she was on a team, which was Phoenix. I think she was on the Phoenix team. Julie Rader was going to play for the surge. RJ uh, Hibbard was trying out for one of the teams. I can't recall which one Uh, Blake wanted to try out for one of the teams. So we did have people with great experience in their pocket and that definitely helps getting them acclimated to the sport. And then them knowing some of the elements of the sport, like double touches, triple touches, transitions, transitions. Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing. And you know, as coming from a coach, is, I mean, your transitions as the sharks are impeccable. Yeah, like we talk about that a lot. Yeah, we. I, <laughs> like if we could. We talked about together. like you said the thrust transition you had in the last race. <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. Like the smoothest thing I've ever seen. And I will never not be impressed by that flipper performance you had. It was so smart. We were like, no one knew what to do. We were like, wait, uh, is it happening? It's happening. Maybe they can do that. Uh. <laughs> I think I had literally, like, even, so awesome. even Mather, the commissioner, was sitting like, there like, <laughs> I don't know. We'll address well, so this moment, but let it, it was let so it continue. obvious that no one had thought of that yet. No one had thought of that yet because they were all like, "We're stop this, keep going." <laughs> so for those who weren't there, Nick, just explain what your thought process was because it was so fantastic. All right, so, well, some background. I remember in a conversation with Mather a long time ago, I had been asking him how how waterfalling came about, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and for anyone who doesn't know, what I'm talking about waterfalling is when like two athletes are doing, say, toes to bar next to each other. One person goes forward, one person goes backwards, and you can actually get like two reps in like half the time. Reverse. I'm sure there's, what's that? Reverse synchro. Yeah, right. Like, so instead of you going at the same time, you're alternating and you can get more reps because effectively only one portion of the movement counts as the movement or whatever, right? And he was telling me basically how that started because at the beginning of grid, that wasn't a thing, right? Uh, Somebody was looking at the rules and was like, oh, like, based on the verbiage this works so they tried it and the the refs couldn't tell them no because it fit the rules you know so that stuck with me and i would say that every season we've tried at least one thing where at least one there's been a couple we've done more than one where the 
where the refs are genuinely like, I have no idea if that's allowed. <laughs> and and I go, I usually go up to Mather or one of the, one, the commissioner Mather one, or one of the head refs. And I'm like, heads up, we're going to do this. If you don't tell me I can't, we're doing it. And we're rocking like a 50-50 success rate. <laughs> the best part is generally the other coach flipping out as they're like, I'm pretty sure that's against the rules. But I- <laughs> flipping out. <laughs> um, so in this echo, there was this thing called the flipper, which is like a... <laughs> How do, you, how do you guys explain that? It's, kind of, it's similar so, to like a tire flip, you, but... You know CrossFit is like the pig. The pig in the games. And then yeah, if a, you it, don't know CrossFit, it's like a big square tire. It's a coffin. Big rectangle tire. <laughs> yeah, a, a big... It's, it's kind of like a coffin. It's like a big metal rectangle with weights on it, you know? And you flip it one way, and then you flip it back the other way, and you're supposed to have a guy and a girl out there flipping. And it's really heavy, so generally, it's the guys doing most of the flipping and then the girls helping out like on occasional reps or on a change out. So we, we have a girl on our team named Jenna who is, I mean, if, if it weren't for you guys, I would say she's up there as the strongest female in the league as far as just like brute strength goes. I mean, you, you have somebody who demolishes that, but like she's really strong and we knew she could do more than the average girl could on the flipper. So we also realized that the rules did not disallow help on the flipper. It just said only one athlete could be working at a time. But if you look at like bar changeouts on like snatches and cleans, I think the same thing that they said would stop us from being able to do what we did would probably stop you from like passing the bar. Kind of like how you guys said like Julian Blake passed the bar to each other. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, like handing like, the med ball back for med ball pull-ups. Yeah, right. Like that same thought like process. You can put it, someone can hand it up. Exactly. That same thought process we felt should probably have allowed us to get away with what we did. So what we did was we had Jenna do about 80% of the lift and then Francisco grab it and rip it past her. Yeah. And then we were what, like 10 or 12 reps behind them? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and we caught up pretty fast. I'm pretty and- sure it was pretty close to you. I think you guys won that race. And nobody could nobody could seem to tell who won, and that's what uh, caused the exceptional freak out, which is pretty funny. Everyone was in shock. The entertainment value was near the room. <laughs> I I actually went up to Mather beforehand, and I'm like, hey, so I just want to clarify, I'm allowed to do this, right? And he was like, yeah, because I, I laid out the same thought process I just gave you guys, and then uh, Jamie, the coach of yeah, right, Jamie, the coach of the Lions, walked up, and I was like, Mather, we're good, and I ran away. I did not want to let her hear anything I was talking about. Absolutely not. That's that strategy. You have to believe it. There was there wouldn't it wouldn't help to hear it. (laughs) You you know you know the handstand uh, the handstand. Well, sorry. So long long story short, it ended up not counting. We got disqualified. I I still kind of think it should count. Whatever. It was really fun. It should be. Um, It should be right. I remember watching everybody freak out. And I could see the four lottery players looking at us, like crying, like, wah, wah, why is that okay? And I just like looked away. I'm like, I, I can't let them see this smile out on my face right now. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of years ago, the, you know, the handstand walk, Jack and Jill? Uh-huh. We, so I'm, I'm not 100% certain, but I think that we came up with the way everybody does it now because we, we had practiced it behind the scenes mm-hmm. and nobody else were like, the two run across together One's waiting on the other side. They tag the foot, then they go. Yeah. I. Nobody else is doing that yet. I think Taylor saw us doing that in practice. Yeah. And then the next match, they were doing it too. 
that one worked. What the hell? Yeah, yeah. that worked. You're right. It's the same thing. Whatever. So uh, fair warning, refs. I'm going to try and break the rules next year, too. We're going to do it every time. Yeah. We're going to try and come up with something. Push the limits. I wouldn't say break the rules. But that's a better way to put it. We're going to attempt to not break the rules. <laughs> that's what we do. Make more rules, but you're yeah. not. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so what do you two individually as coaches and players, right? What do you guys most enjoy about grid? I... Oh, let me go first. Okay. Not I enjoy the strategy as a coach. It's and I, you and I have talked about this before. I'm super stressed leading up to the match. Like the week before I'm waking up in the middle of the night thinking about, Oh, do I have this person in the right spot? That part's horrible, but I love the strategy of this is basically like a chess game. You know, do I have the right pieces in the right place? You know, can I counter this athlete with this athlete? So it's a lot more of a mind game for me. Obviously, I'm not out on the floor. So once we start the race, it's like my, I'm way less worried. I'm way less stressed. I'm like, I've done everything I can, you know, from here. If I need to, I'll just do damage control. But at that point, it's kind of like I get to sit back and kind of watch the race and watch the athletes perform. So that's definitely the most fun part for me is just making basically the, the gamesmanship of making sure I have everyone in the right spot. Same for you. Raise your pawns. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I, when I, the first season, the year we did not understand the assignment, I played in every single race and I did not enjoy it at all um, because I wasn't doing a very good job because I wasn't, I was not prepared for all the things I was supposed to be doing. Um, but I think as we started to understand the sport and started doing our homework and now, so the people, these people in 2019 wouldn't have recognized to even say to you, Nick, wow, your transitions are amazing. Like we wouldn't have known that was even a thing. It would just looked like a blur of people. We just didn't, we couldn't even focus on like what was even happening. Um, but now that we've like been studying it for so long and we can see exactly where you make changes and where other people make transitions and where we can speed things up. So I think um, I'm just a person that likes learning. So I think learning about this is, I think it's it's never gonna stop because you're never gonna stop trying weird things. And um, everyone's gonna keep doing, you know, pushing the limits and um, getting better at things. Like, oh, you think you're the fastest at, at whatever at triple touches, this person's faster, um, just finding different ways. So I think I also sort of um, thrive at being like in the middle and helping uh, like from behind the scenes. Like, I don't wanna be, I'm not a strength specialist, it turns out. So I like being, I do like being a utility player, but if you had told me that in 2019, it would have been like, oh, that sounds like I'm just gonna be doing burpees. And you know what, I'm just doing burpees, but I like doing burpees now because it's helping get the next, you know, to helping get Sam to do three rope climbs in nine seconds um, after I finished my stupid little burpees. Um, so I do like being um, sort of layered in there to do some stuff so that the people who are really strong and people who are really climbing and really super talented are gonna get to their next thing and be done before I can even catch my breath from my little burpees. But yeah, that's the part I like about it, the team. Yes. I like how you say little burpees. What you don't <laughs> understand is that nobody else wants to do those. Like. You're, you're saving somebody from dying. Yeah, I, I like that I'm better at them now so I can actually, like, I feel useful. I like to feel useful. I don't like to feel like, like, let me try this thing. I might fuck up for everyone. Um, I like to be like, I can do these really fast and then they'll be over and then we can move on with our lives and never think about them again. And it's always burpees on things. Um, but that's okay because that's important because it's part of the race. They're not going anywhere. Burpees are not leaving anytime soon. So here we are. Sadly.
Yeah, sadly. Yeah, this actually, this will be a really interesting question for you, I think. So with the, Adam, you don't get to answer this one. With the, with the change in match styles, right? Where they went from basically like two hours to one hour and then like 11 races to like seven-ish, right? Obviously all of our playing times have gone down, right? Yeah. How do you, how do you feel about that as a player? Um, I feel, again, I was just so underprepared for the, the, the first season. Um, I think that it's more exciting. So if, if, if grid wants this to become really like a spectator kind of sport, I think it's way more exciting to have somebody doing a couple of things really fast, switching somebody out, coming back in. Um, I don't really think anybody wants to watch someone doing 60 of something. Um, so I think um, kind of like the speed of the, the new format is better for entertainment purposes. Um, it's definitely more fun. I, I do so much less now than I did in the first season that it's hard for me to say if it's because of that or because we have such a good team now. But my role is very small. Um, like I'm recovered almost instantly. Um, I'm also, I'm in better shape from 2019, but I also am not doing every race. Like that's never gonna happen again. So um, I do, I think it's a better format and I think it is because it's more entertaining. And I do think that as far as the, um, the way that it goes, the way that the whole match turns out, I think is more fun for everyone. I think. Yeah. So it, like, even if your role is smaller, it's more defined now, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I know that as a player, the, my, as my player side, I enjoy that a little bit better too. Like I know knowing, I enjoy knowing like, all right, this is probably what I'm relied on for. Right. Not everything. Right. Yeah. Much less of a chance of you getting called back out to finish some like 45 to 60 of whatever. Mm. I feel like Adam, what about you? So as a coach, how do you feel about that? I like it. I think it, lets your specialist shine you know the the mixed gender echoes i think have been a huge improvement obviously you know you can't rely on one gender but you know some teams in the past have gotten away with having a really strong women's team that was a great example of a, a championship team was made of really strong women but now you can't hide behind that now you have to have you know a really strong starting lineup essentially because uh -huh. You can't just rely on your women to take both echoes and then take the triad. You know, there's six points for you right there. So it's a little more inclusive of a more cohesive team, I believe. And like Des said, the transitions having, again, the echoes as an example, having 10 people instead of five people available to do the work, you have so much more depth and speed because now I think you guys said in one of your passings, now instead of having three or four assignments, you have one, maybe two. So you're going to go out and you're going to hit it so much harder just knowing that, okay, I've got 20 pull-ups or I've got 20 box overs and I'm going to go as hard as I can and I'm going to get the get off the floor so my next teammate can come on. So I think, no, it, I think makes, it makes the races much more entertaining. You know? Yeah, I, I agree with that. We, <clears throat> we, we decided that it did not benefit us, but it, was, it does still make the sport better. Like I enjoy it more that way. Is it because that's not the format you guys were used to kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think maybe maybe you guys might have benefited a little bit from, and I mean this honestly, like just not having been ingrained in that format, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. it was a little bit easier transition, whereas we're trying to break three-year-old habits, you know, four-year-old habits, five-year-old habits. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, but, you know, that like kudos to you. That's not a shot. That's uh, adaptation is what makes the sport great, so. For sure. Um, okay, so 
you guys actually just eliminated us a couple of weeks ago, you jerks, uh, on the way to the playoffs, right? Uh, we we had a we had a match against you, and then we played against Orlando afterwards, and then you guys had a fantastic match against uh, Tampa that we all watched. That was really fun to watch. You're rolling into the playoffs, tied with the Southeast Palms. You guys have the best record, right? Four and zero. What what are your thoughts? Because on October 9th, you're going to play possibly two more matches, and then maybe win a championship. What what are your guys' thoughts leading up to that? I mean, the job's not done. We still got two matches and and then we can relax. But I mean, if you watch that Tampa match, it was back and forth the whole match. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we, for the first time, we went into a ladder and I was like, I threw the flag and I was like, oh no, I should not have done that. And that's the first <laughs> time we've had that issue in the ladder. So that was concerning. And then we had a tied ringer point that I for sure thought we were going to take. And I was like, ooh, this is not how I planned the first half of this match going. So, <laughs> you know, we had to pull ourselves together. I had to, I had to, you know, I went into it a little more relaxed, actually, honestly, is, was one of the issues is we're already 3-0. and You know, the outcome of this race doesn't really matter. So let's go out. Let's polish up the team and, and go from there. And then I guess, you know, I wanted it to go 4 now. I was like, yeah, it'd be great. But I was like, we also don't need to. So I think halfway through the match, I was like, what am I doing? I need to focus up on this. And even one of my players said, he's like, what? Like, we are playing a really good team. This is a great chance for us to practice and for you to practice what it's like playing against a really good team right now. So focus up. And I was like, you know what? You're right. Yeah. Blake was like, do you want to strategize against a team that might actually beat us? Because it's about to happen. Yeah. Like, so (laughs) it was it was a very close match I think the only another one of the only other teams that have given us that close of a match was the Palms because we played them twice in the tournament last year and I believe both races came down to one or two points Mm -hmm. um and they're they're studs this year so I fully expect them to be waiting for us on the other side in the championship so we'll see what happens there but we're definitely not relaxed we got to focus. We got two more races if we want to win. And it's important. You know, we want to be, we feel like we should have won the tournament. You know, the Lions just outperformed us and we won't let that happen again. Cool. Um, I know I'm looking forward to it. I'll be there. Uh, not, not playing this time, but I'll be, I'll be spectating. I'll be, I'll be hanging out. Um, your nomination right here for you. Yes. You'll be at all I don't, I don't know about that. We'll see. Um, but all right. So, so back to you guys, Jim, right? Mm-hmm. I like to end all the podcasts like this. So if, if somebody was thinking about signing up with you guys, right. And, or they were thinking about like getting started on their fitness journey. Right. And they were scared to do it. What would you tell them? You just got to come in and meet us. You got to come in, you got to step out of your comfort zone, be brave for 10 seconds and then you'll be fine. Right. It's definitely a scary thing to start a new program. It's scary to step into a room with, you know, anywhere between five to 10 people you don't know. But I promise you, it's going to be one of the best things you've done. You're going to get in the best shape you've ever been in. You're going to feel great. Does it's going to make you drink a lot of water? I'm so annoying with the water. And you're going to pee a lot. It's my life now. I. <laughs> but I feel better. See. I do feel better. And you're going to make a lot of friends. So just come in, try us out. I promise we won't let you down 
and we'll go from there. I feel like the hardest part is reaching out. So if you've already recognized that you want training, you've already recognized that you want to change something, um, that's the biggest, that's the hardest part, honestly, not coming into the door. The fact that you reached out at all, whatever, whatever was an email called us. Um, so you kind of have to, I learned from HSN. I, I heard people saying before, like, you have to learn someone's love language. And I was like, that doesn't sound like that's for me. I don't, I'm not like that. Like, I don't want to know what your love language is like, leave me alone. But actually it doesn't make sense to learn someone. I wish it was called something else, but someone's love language, you have to like know how to talk to somebody. So it doesn't sound like you're either talking at them or talking down to them. And you just have to like find out what they want and then say, we can do that. And then explain it to them in the way they want to hear it and not say like, you need to work out because you know, we're all, we're all getting older. We need to start working out. Like, don't just start saying facts to them. Just say like, what are you looking for? And here's how, here's how we can provide that for you kind of thing. And it's not going to be the same. There's not the same dialogue for every person, for sure. Um, that sort of like boot camp mentality that works when like the guys are working out together with the screaming, like that doesn't work on me. Like if I'm, if I'm yeah. lifting and he starts like screaming about it, I'm like, I'm, I will go home. Like <laughs> I can't. So I think you just have to like learn someone's love language and then use it. And then kind of just know that this is a program that is adaptive for every single person. So use it as an ex, you know, a way to evolve our, our program. Awesome. Guys, anything else you want me to bring up? Nope. Cool. Okay. Thank you so much for your time, guys. If, uh, if people wanted to find you on like social media or your gym or wherever, how would they do that? Uh, 352fitness.com. Our Instagram is 352fitness underscore nutrition. Is that right? 352 underscore fitness underscore nutrition. Oh God, they'll never find us because I don't know it. 352 fitness and nutrition. I hand out stickers because I am really bad at technology. My Instagram stories are the depth of my internet uh, skills. What about uh, what about for uh, the Gainesville Wild? How would they find you? Uh, Gainesville Wild, you can go through the Florida Gridley pay, or, uh, website, so the fgl.com, you could find us through there or you could do the games of wild on Instagram. Awesome. Guys, thank you so much for your time. Thank, thank you. you, Nick. All right, thanks for hanging out with us today on the Shark Bite Show. If you'd like to get a hold of us, you can find us on Facebook or Instagram at Shark Bite Fitness and Nutrition, or on our website at sharkbitefitness.com. If you'd like to find out more about our guests, their information will be in the show notes. If you'd like to talk to us about getting more fit, feel free to schedule a free no-sweat intro at one of our locations in Cape Coral, Fort Myers, or Naples, Florida.